0: This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear men at work on the stereo. So next time you want to play on those authentic, classic cabinets, you know, where the screens are up top and the quarters go down under, then head over to the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. i'm carrington vanston and i'm
1: mike mcginnis and this is no quarter the classic arcade podcast go us back for another week to talk about our favorite classic arcade games is this our favorite well this week is not my favorite but i think it is your
0: favorite uh no. This is I, the rumor I, can... I am currently hold on. Typing, typing, spreading, spreading. Rumors have been up and spread.
1: Oh, how dare you, sir.
0: Oh, the internet. It's so good for that. I'm
1: walking off the show. <laughs> Again. <laughs> how are you? I'm fantastic. Spread that rumor on the internet. Mm, it's not a fun one to spread though.
0: It is freezing cold here in Toronto. I'm cold, so I'm inside being fantastic. What about you? What's new with Mike Aruni? <laughs> My new name for you. <laughs>
1: Well, like you, Carrington, uh, I'm, it's very cold here, um, and it's supposed to get colder in the next couple of days. I don't know what funky Santeria magic you guys use up there to divine the temperature, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be well below freezing for the next couple of days for us. We use Kelvin. <laughs> oh, I see. A- anything,
0: hey, you... anything positive is good. My <laughs>
1: molecules are still moving. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, well, why don't we get, get into it? Why don't we? Let's let's get into this. Uh, sh- I think I- we have feedback. But I'm little sure tiny we have
0: feedback. Bits of um, looking around, we got a neat note on Facebook from Mike Whalen, friend of the show, Mike Whalen, and our first guest ever. Ultra Magnus. He sent us a note about something called the Game Preserve, which is a great name for an arcade. I love it. I love the puns. I love it. So. Nice. Yeah, and it says that uh, recently a private club opened in Houston in which members can sign up and they get access to a huge arcade that seems to be growing every week. They've got uh, some amazing specimens in their collection. And then this next bit, he put in all caps and a lot of pinball raspberry in Carrington's general direction. <laughs> Boo pinball. I say. <laughs> He says it's called The Game Preserve, and it's here on Facebook. What's with these companies on Facebook? Check it out. And then he said, Canadian, check it out. So <laughs> thank you very much for translating for me. He had also sent us a note about an event. I think, as far as I can tell, it was being held at there, and it was held on the 25th. And as is our want, we love to promote events after they've happened. So a while ago, and this one's a good one to promote from the past. They were having something called Back to the Arcade, which was a arcade, a a Back to the Future themed arcade gathering of some sort that was going to have at least four, possibly more, DeLoreans on site for viewing and Back to the Future pinball and all that sort of thing. So it looked kind of cool. And um, since it's based on Back to the Future, there's no reason why we can't promote it now and our listeners can get a hold of one of these DeLoreans and then just head back and see it last Saturday. What a great idea. I think so. I see no flaws in that idea at all. None whatsoever. I've uh, sat in one of the the time-traveling DeLoreans. Did it smell like Michael J. Fox? Everything in Canada smells like Michael J. Fox, and we like it that way. (laughs) It was at at Fan Expo last year, two years ago, something like that. They had um, one of the Back to the Future DeLoreans there. You could could sit in it and feel all cool, and it was awesome. I felt all cool. (laughs) Nice. It was an unfamiliar feeling. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's the feedback I have. What do you got?
1: Um, Bobby Moore... Bobby Orr, Not Bobby Moore. Oh, Not I thought the hockey, hockey players player. were writing
0: us. He was my favorite hockey player.
1: Mine too, actually.
0: As a kid. Oh, nice. See, that's why we're podcasting. together. that's Good old right. number four. <laughs> yeah, my whole my whole childhood,
1: he was my my favorite hockey player. Yep, me too. So what about Bobby uh, Moore? The Bobby Moore wrote in, and we may have mentioned this last week. It's been so long since we recorded, I don't really remember. It's uh, been a week. <laughs> uh, he says, a couple of UK lads from the Gemma Plus Forum have started podcasting. I'd imagine it'll be to the taste of no the no-quarter audience, so I figured I'd share. And yes, it's the Ten Pence Arcade, which um, which is uh, two, um, two British, English, UK, I'm not sure what, what all category... All of those. Yes, all of those. What category you guys fall into um, are doing... A game-by-game arcade podcast, and it's awesome, and you should listen. Yeah, it is awesome. I like it a lot. And I believe they challenged us, Carrington. They challenged us. They dare to challenge us out here? We're in the colonies? Yes, one of our challengers is uh, uh, Victor Marlin, who has actually written in quite a bit and shared a lot of good information and material Mm -hmm. that we've used on the No Quarter podcast. I'm sure that that won't be happening anymore now that he's got his own. (laughs) Keep all the good stuff for himself. Uh, He says, uh, would you and Mike... I assume he means you, Carrington, like to go head to head with us sometime. I propose a doubles game. Sky Kid is a good co op game. I'm sure there's a version of Maine that you can play together remotely. Or maybe I'm on the same stuff as the Cube Quest developers. I think maybe you're on the same stuff, Vic. I don't know if there's a way to play Maine remotely like that. I think there is a way. I don't
0: know about it, but I'm assuming that there is because I think it sounds like such an awesome idea that there must be a way. I think that sounds like super fun. I'd love to take those guys on, take them down, the new kids in in town here. We'll show them which podcast knows about game thingies. (laughs) Well, there you have it, Vic. We accept whether it can happen or not. No, he said you and Mike, so I'm really accepting on behalf of both of you. Oh, I see. Okay. (laughs) Kick Uh, his butt, Mike. Go to town. (laughs) That ain't going to happen. I think it sounds awesome. I would love to do that. We recently, um, Earl Evans and I, uh, we do a podcast. We're both on um, Retro Computing Roundtable, and we had an online chess battle where I fought uh well my Apple II played chess against his Commodore 64 and we live streamed it on the net and the Apple II won it was awesome and it was super fun and full of trash talking and it was just a, a really good time uh, I'll throw a link to the video in the show notes in case anybody cares about A-bit computer stuff and maybe we could do a similar sort of thing doing a um, little you know cross coastal MAME action I think that sounds awesome oh like screen sharing and google
1: hangout or something yeah that yeah, yeah
0: exactly yeah that, that perfect idea i love it see awesome. you're setting it up already you're you're you're
1: the guy in charge of the logistics uh, no that would be you <laughs> <laughs> or hey, we'll just make them responsible for it vic you set this up we'll do it i like it that's a great plan mm-hmm. i got your back vic yep. it's yep. on you <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't then then we claim victory by default it, well I've, i would assume so i'm gonna claim victory no matter what happens <laughs> ah i see
0: do we have any email? Um, probably, but I already quit my email. Bro. Oh, all right. <laughs> this uh, is podcasting with laziness or podcasting a little <laughs> late. You know, people
1: are going to get what they get. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. All right. <laughs> there it is, folks. He doesn't care about you. I don't. Uh,
0: I only care about you, Mike.
1: We did have a fun tweet that was making fun of one of us. I don't remember which one. Probably. Uh, I'm going to go with me. Well, there was Olivier Guinard, who... Uh, taunted us on Twitter wait, saying... Way to butcher his name there, dude. I've... Yeah, because I'm American. Oh, well, go ahead, sir. No, go no. Like, I want to hear if you can read the, the tweet. Um, anyway, he says, uh, I'm in the bus for work and, and laughed out loud while listening to your score announcements at Pouillon." I think he did... I think I did well, he says. Priceless. So apparently, um, our French listener, whose name I will not pronounce... <laughs> Uh, did better than us, although he did not uh, post a picture, so we can't verify that. Well, the thing is, if I recall, because we did Puyen
0: um few shows ago, mm-hmm. low 60s, I think. We've been doing this for a while. If I remember... <laughs> Your score was something like three hundred fifty thousand, and my score was something like seven. Oh. So, like, I, if I recall, I went in thinking I did I did fairly well, and then your score was some like two orders of magnitude larger than mine. So, yeah, I'm not really good at that. Score. What? 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 A surprise! It's an arcade game I'm not good at. That <laughs> never happens. That happens to both of us on a regular uh, basis. It's going to happen on this episode too. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yes, I, all I do remember is that you did quite well, and I did embarrassingly bad when it came to Puyan.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, Karen. <laughs> I played the game, and I was bad at it. It's the same <laughs> thing that happens most weeks. And we had one more. We got a message from Mark Hoff, and Mark says, I am the person behind the Robotron guidebook. Thank you for giving the wonderful reference to oh, Christian's yeah. story. He's a national treasure, treasure to the Williams game fans. Hadn't heard of your podcast before, but it seems really cool. Cheers. And he's posting from near Otomwa, Iowa, which is also very cool. That is – all of that is super
0: cool. Yeah. Yes. So the Robotron Guidebook, we, which we linked to, like – was it last show, show before, or something like that? Maybe. Um, Super, super, super good site. Ton, tons of info there. Like, so people- – I'll link to it again this time because, yeah, really really good source. We may have actually
1: read that last in uh, last week's show. So I don't think we did. Okay. I don't think we read it this week. Oh, sounds good to me. <laughs> Let me just throw in the towel on this Facebook thing here and uh, apologize if there was any interesting CubeQuest talk because Facebook and my MacBook are not cooperating with each other and I've had enough. That's funny because they're probably related because they both have the last name Book. Yes, maybe they were starring in Serenity or something. I don't know.
0: Oh, I miss Serenity.
1: As do I. Still hurts. <laughs> All right, Carrington, let's get on with the gaming. Are you bad enough? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> bad dudes versus Dragon Ninja. Are you bad enough? This week's game was not Double Dragon. Nope. But it's hard to tell if you don't look closely enough. Oh, that's right. This is the game that I always think of when I think of Double Dragon. And when I think of bad dudes, I think of Double Dragon. Because those are also bad dudes. That's right. Uh, completely... Completely different gameplay, but for whatever reason, I always confuse it because when I, because this game is a side-scrolling beat-em-up, and it's all very 80s and yay pro-America, and the reason I don't think of this when I hear bad news is because I have Russian Attack also sort of swirled into this whole mishmash of three games that I can't seem to separate
0: Mm -hmm. I'm kind of the same way like when I was playing this game and reading about uh, bad dudes versus dragon ninja online lots of people agree and and we'll talk about how this is in a sense a reaction to double dragon and more than that people will bring up the idea that it's very similar in gameplay to Russian attack which we talked about in a previous episode for me though I kept thinking of the game shinobi. Like for something about this game just kept reminding me of *Shinobi*, which is a game I love, love, love. So this has a lot of similarities to a bunch of games. Is basically the the point. And I think that we a... are making jointly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think the reason for that is because it's a Data East game. No, oh, they're my favorite people ever.
0: <laughs> they can do no wrong.
1: Well, actually, I didn't. I don't hate this game. I like it. Um, I, had a f- uh, I had a good time playing it. It's very derivative, I think, of Russian Attack. But I kept wondering, this is a Data East game. Why is it not a complete pile <laughs> of crap? Why does it not suck? Why is it not a complete pile of crap? And then I, right. then I discovered that, yes, Data East didn't write the game. They were just the distributors. That makes a lot of sense
0: then. So even though Data East probably tried to make it terrible... Probably bought the rights just so that they could break it down. They unfortunately failed to wield their Data East magic, and the gameplay was still fun. (laughs) Oh, well, Data East, maybe next time. (laughs) So, yeah, this game uh, came out in 1988,
1: I think it was. So it's one of the later games that we have have looked at for this podcast. It is, but it's weird because this does not feel like a 1988 game at all. It feels like 83, 84, because because it's so similar to Russian attack. Now it definitely had better graphics and sound um, and it was very smooth. I never, I never at all felt that, that I was fighting the controls or fighting the processor. So it certainly benefited from having the advanced hardware that you could get um, in 1988, but the look of the game and the feel of it was just very Russian attack, very 1983, 84, kind of that in the same vein again, as Russian attack where you have the kind of, uh, completely over-the-top right-wing American Ronald Reagan-era uh, nationalism. That was- in fact, they called the President Ronnie. Yes. Which do. I love. <laughs> yes, and in fact, your mission is to save uh, President Ronnie. They didn't call him Ronald Reagan. They called him President Ronnie. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I was not fooled. <laughs> I, I remember President Ronnie. And I completely agree. I there's There's nothing you know, bad about the graphics here or anything like that. But I also felt I was playing a game from I would have pegged it as like eighty four eighty five. Like I think Russian Attack was around eighty four eighty five, something like that. This game looked like it would have come out the same year as that. This didn't feel like a late nineteen eighty eight game. Not like, you know, there's at this period, every two or three years, arcade games feel very different. They're, they're advancing dramatically. And this didn't feel like a game that was coming out that late in the 80s. Not, not to me anyway. So I, I completely agree with you on that. It felt more mid-80s, if, if not slightly earlier than that. But it's still super fun that when it opens up, the the quote-unquote backstory where, where how does it read a uh, rampant ninja related crimes these days <laughs> white house is not the exception and, and like it's awesome i just i just adore the story behind this it is so ridiculous
1: yeah it combines uh, a bunch of uh popular early early 80s action movie tropes you know we have the the schwarzenegger type Hero going in and, and mowing down bad guys by the dozens, you have ninjas, you have Ronald Reagan, it's all very it's all a very wonderful thing. I think even their their outfits, they have the little white which to me look like those little those parachute pants that everybody used to wear. Yep. Um And the and the the tank top with the sleeveless shirts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, awesome. the, and the the ridiculous I guess they were kind of Oakley-type sunglasses with the crazy haircuts. <laughs> yep. And you can play one of two characters. So you can be either Blade or Striker.
0: Awesome names. And the only difference seems to be the color of your pants. So if you're Blade, you have white pants, and if you're Striker, you have green pants. And other than that, the characters seem to be completely identical.
1: Yep. and They're both bad. <laughs> the gameplay, again, again, getting back to Russian Attack here, was almost identical. I mean, instead of the... You would have waves of ninjas, low-level ninjas, just kind of rushing at you, and then you would have every now and then a couple of higher-up ninjas would drop down with a sword, or one would run in with the the dunchucks, or you'd have the girl who would run in there, and then you the level would end with a boss fight. You'd even have instead of what you saw in Russian attack, where grenade one of them one of the Russians would run in and drop grenades on the ground, this one drops those glowing caltrops, and you can mm-hmm. pick up power-ups and increase your life. The big difference for me. Um, that separates this game for me from, from Russian attack is that, as you said, this is a two player sort of semi cooperative game. You can't beat each other up on the screen, but you can compete for points. Um, and as I was playing through this time, that was, I was kind of bored with this because I felt like, well, I'll just, why am I not just playing Russian attack? When I played this in the arcades, it was always with my friends and we always played, um, Played the co-op mode, and that, for me, made a huge difference in, in how much fun that was versus this one, which wasn't horrible, but not quite so good. Did you have a preference? Were you usually white-pant blade or green-pant striker? I My preference was to take the joystick on the left because I'm left-handed. I didn't care which guy I got.
0: Cool. He's a lefty when you fight your ninjas. Well, I just, Sinister
1: style. I just hated dueling elbows when I'm trying to play a game with a, a right-handed person. That itself could be a game, <laughs> dueling
0: elbows. I like that it's, like you say, it's waves and waves and waves of low-level ninjas. And it's one of those games where essentially you're going to fight a thousand enemies and they're all one-hit kills. So your, your boss people, you've got to fight more. They'll have a life level that you have to beat down but everything else is just if you touch them they die and it's just sheer volume of enemies will eventually get you know shots in and that's what will kill you but you're not for the most part facing enemies that that can't be killed by whether you have a power up or not if you touch them
1: they die right you could do some simple combo moves uh jump kicks and then spin kicks and low sweeps and things like that normally I, i don't really like fighting games where you have to memorize complex sequences of button presses and joystick moves to do the good stuff. Uh, fortunately, there's nothing so nothing so complex in this t- uh, so that it didn't take away from the gameplay. Although I found especially in the earlier levels there I actually did better when I didn't bother to try to do the do the fancy moves. You just kind of run and as you're running along you're punching and kicking your way through because um, the doing those those moves kind of takes some time and practice. And actually, I've I got killed a lot quicker when I was trying to do those as opposed to just running and punching or kicking. So
0: yeah, I'm a pretty straightforward player here too. I'm just basically punching, kicking, laughing, <laughs> bring, bring out the ninjas. <laughs> so I. Uh, I didn't get very far into the game to be honest, but I can describe the beginning levels cause it's like most of these games it goes in stages. So stage one is a city stage. Uh, you're fighting through a city waves and waves of bad guys. And the, you have your boss fight at the end. Like you said, each level ends with a boss fight. The boss at the end of level one is Karnov and I recognized him. I'm like, Oh, I know that guy. And he's kind of like almost a data East mascot cause he appears in a few of games. I know he's definitely in, um, in tumble pop. I think maybe Big Big Karnak. He's in a, and he's sort of referenced and shows up in the background in a lot of Data East games. So I wasn't that surprised to see him. And uh, stage two is on a moving truck, so you guys are on top of a, a semi. You and your partner, or just you if you're playing solo. And uh, same thing ends with a with a boss fight, but this time it's a it's a ninja with these like Wolverine claws. And I didn't recognize him, but he's kind of a fun guy to fight. Level three was a sewer level. And the boss fight at the end of that was essentially a Shinobi-style ninja, which, again, I kept thinking, this game is Shinobi. Because this time you've got a, a a ninja you're fighting that can clone himself, and it's like that move in Shinobi where you clone yourself and you shoot all over the place, except he just does a clone, doesn't become these like human arrows. And the level four is a forest level, and I really don't know what happens there because I only ever made it there once and I died almost immediately. <laughs> so that's basically, that's how much of the game I know. That's as far as I got
1: But it's super fun. Yeah, it is. I I did enjoy it. Uh, You got further into into this than I did. I was never able to... Really? Yeah, I was never able to get past the second level boss. Um, And I didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. But... Yeah, yeah, I didn't play that much. It was only a couple times
0: I kind of got lucky and and got through things. Uh, But for the most part, I was typically dying on level two. It's just because... There's so many bad guys that every once in a while you'll be a little slow, or one will jump up from below the truck or something and hit you. And it only takes six of those for you to lose your
1: man. Right. This is definitely a game that uh, that requires your your attention, especially later on when they start coming at you. Because as you I think said, it's a
0: just a, it's a quarter muncher. It's a game designed for you to sit there and keep pumping in quarters to continue.
1: You're right, and it does have a continue mode, so you can just drop another coin in and keep right on. But that would be cheating. <laughs> it so I just did cheating. my one quarter and start again. Although, yeah. frankly, I kind of
0: I, I was mo I was. I was very tempted to just continue to see how it goes. But I think with a game like this, if if you let yourself do that, if you give yourself the advantage of MAME where it's unlimited free quarters and you play something like this or something like Gauntlet, you're going to kill the fun of the game because you'll just you know pump in infinite quarters, get to the end and say, okay, I'm done. Like It's going to really ruin the game if you use like infinite money as a cheat, I think. So I, I resisted the temptation.
1: It depends. I like to drop the extra quarters and do the continues just to see what, what it's like for what we're talking about here because most of our listeners are a lot better at these games than we are, and so they're like, why didn't you talk about this? Did you talk about that? Uh, Well, we didn't talk about it because we didn't see it, so... For instance, (laughs) I was
0: looking online and everyone talks about the... There's ninja... Ninjas? I don't even know what the plural ninja (laughs) is, but whatever. Ninjai, who light themselves on fire and then rush at you. But I never got to see any of those. And that sounds
1: like the best enemy. That sounds like su- super, super cool. But that never once came up in the levels I was playing. Well, the thing about doing the continue is, at least for me, I, I, it doesn't bother me to do it because I know that like, in, in, in my head, I know that I didn't finish the game legitimately. And so there's always still the challenge. I can go back and, and continue play and have fun uh, because that's not cheating. Whereas dropping the quarters in to see how far you can get as cheating unless you're on the No Quarter podcast, and, and then we just look the other way.
0: We do. Look over there. Look over there. So I had a, a question about the power-ups in this. So, like, you can pick up these weapons. I liked, for instance, of the weapons I could pick up, There, I got a knife a bunch of times, but every once in a while I would get, I would get nunchucks, and they were by far my favorite weapon because they have a decent reach to them, so you can sort of flick the bad guys away. So that was my favorite weapon. But I also found you could pick up power-ups off the ground like these... Basically, pop cans. It looks like soda that gives you energy, so that was cool. But you could pick up clocks. I didn't understand the reason. Like, there was a timer counting down, but you have so much time, I didn't even know why it was giving you clocks. Like, the time seems to be completely useless in this game.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't get that either, especially, like, on the second level. You're, you're riding on a truck, um, and so you don't really actually move forward you just kind of every the truck so slowly scrolls off to the left of the screen and you just kind of inch your way along until the truck brings you to the end of the levels yeah so why give you time right it's not like you can advance faster or slower so that didn't make any sense to me the coke cans did do restore like one one life point or whatever so those could be useful if you're coming to a boss and you have and you're low on points i like you i enjoyed the the nunchucks the most just because they had the greatest reach um, and it's cool, it's right. right. 80s cool, nunchucks, <laughs> totally. Yep. I, I should correct something here, I, I said that Data East did not develop this game, I was wrong, they did. And yet it still doesn't suck. And it didn't suck. I, I, I think- mean, it's not like this is a fantastic game, I'm no. now going to think it sucks, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not the greatest game ever, but it's there's it, something, I don't know, there's something kind of fun about a silly beat-em-up game.
1: Yeah, it's not as bad as as Data East games usually are and I think where the repetitive and and derivative gameplay comes up, it's overshadowed by the the really great humor um and the action. So
0: now, I and I and I chose to believe it was kind of knowingly funny. Now, it could be that it's just sloppy and ridiculous because it's kind of a famous game for this whole are you bad enough, you know, President Ronnie ridiculousness. But it felt like it was Kind of tongue in cheek, really, and maybe it's not. Like maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but to me, it it felt fun and almost satirical.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of I kind of lean towards the, the satire and the humor and nudge nudge wink wink stuff. The game did figure we didn't get this far, of course, but the game does feature two different endings depending on whether you're playing the Japanese or English language versions. Oh, okay. And what are the endings? In the English version, after the bad dudes defeat the Dragon Ninja, who's... Because they're bad enough. That's right. And I guess the Dragon Ninja is the big boss. Ooh. Uh, They celebrate by eating burgers with President Ronnie. (laughs) Of course they do. At the very end, President Ronnie is seen holding a burger while standing between the bad dudes. (laughs) Behind them are many security guards with the White House behind them. That is super awesome. (laughs) Come on, that is so ridiculous. (laughs) In the Japanese version, President Ronnie gives the bad dudes a statue of themselves as a reward. Oh, that's not nearly as good. Well, apparently he was in captivity making statues of the people that were coming (laughs) to rescue him. As you would, of course. That's right. The Bad Dudes are then seen leaning against a fence on the sidewalk next to their statue. Unlike the ending of the international version, the Japanese version uh, then shows a list of nearly every enemy in the game with their names, except for the unnamed Green Ninja Boss it multiplies. Oh, Green Ninja Boss. Uh, Just real quickly, a note on the music here. Um, It was composed by Azusa Hara and Hiroki Yoshida.
0: Arcade Arsenal. Robocop and Bad Dudes for Nintendo. Your move, creep. Part man, part machine, all game, RoboCop. Stay out of trouble. Bad dudes, the forces of good have never been so bad. If you're bad enough, then you're good enough for bad dudes at RoboCop for Nintendo. So another difference I was reading about between the American and Japanese versions is, well, we haven't mentioned that there's speech in these games. So the, they, they say things like, got it, when you grab an item. And the, the best bit is after you beat, a, beat one of the bosses, then they say, I'm bad, because they totally are. <laughs> and I guess in Japan, they just say, oh. <laughs> and, then, and when they get an item, they say, okay. So I don't, like the, I don't think I like the Japanese version as much. I don't like that ending. And I like the I'm bad speech. So I'm going to go you know, up with America on this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> well it's such an american game <laughs> it really I'm is yeah. yeah i i can't see I, there's just no way that this is not at least partially a spoof i mean I, obviously as time has gone by it's it's gotten even more ridiculous no i never played this in the arcade to be honest like i i did play it in the past but i was always playing
0: the nes port so i was uh, n- not really much of a NES guy i have barely played any NES games it's it's sad how few of these I've played um, but one I had a friend who was a big fan of the the port of this and I didn't even really like it that much on Nintendo and the the controls were reversed like it was a to attack and B to Ugh. jump instead of vice versa so it kept messing me up I was a big fan
1: yeah and there were some changes in the Nintendo version as well the, the home uh, Famicom and NES versions Uh, The the reference to President Ronnie has been removed because Nintendo of America does not allow political content in the games. In that version, the president bears a slight resemblance resemblance to George H.W. Bush, who was president when the, the NES version was released. Aha. And here's where we find out that this game actually was, at least the hardware was 1988 technology, even if it looked like 1983. Um, Double Dragon, oh, I'm sorry, Bad Dudes (laughs) featured a Motorola 68000 at 10 megahertz. Ooh, that's a lot of megahertz. A second processor, an M6502 at 1.5 megahertz. And it had a YM2203 at 1.5 megahertz for sound, as well as a YM3812 at 3 megahertz. And an OKI, OKI 6295 at 1 megahertz, all of those generating sound. It was a 256 by 240 raster screen at 60 hertz. And, Carrington, why don't you tell us about the cabinet? It's
0: dull. It's <laughs> ba- well, I mean, it's another thing that tells you that we're dealing with something a little later in the 80s because it's a JAMA cab. Um, but it is your very basic generic JAMA cab. Nothing really special about it. To be honest, I think the game... The game is very popular, and it enjoyed a real swell of nostalgic popularity, I think partly due to the NES port, um, and then later with all the bad dudes meme stuff. Like, in fact, that you can go over to Know Your Meme and read all about the whole Are You Bad Enough meme. But the cab itself is really just a straight, a straightforward late 80s cab with nothing particularly special about it. I mean, the shape is pretty much just like how i remember a robocop cab is so which is also by data east in that it has the the marquee logo on the top is is uh rounded a bit it sticks out towards you so it, it juts out it's uh what's the word for that concave no convex it is a convex um marquee but that's kind of all that really marks us as that special the uh the logo Shows Striker and Blade smacking around some ninja baddies, but it gets Striker's pant color wrong. I mean, the only thing about this game that says part is you got the pants, and on here it shows them as uh, yellow instead of white, so couldn't even get the colors right. The control panel is totally basic and plain with the controllers on either side for, you know, your your two player action and each player gets the usual pair of buttons on each side of the joystick so it's handy for righties or lefties which is good for someone like you with your elbow throwing <laughs> and um <laughs> the yellow and red buttons so basically one for attack one for jump no big deal the side art totally totally dull it's uh just a big data east sticker around I don't know, 30 centimeters or so. That's a foot for you, Merkins. And, um, I don't know. It's all just pretty vanilla, to be honest. It's right down to the big Date logo on the front of the control panel. There's, it's not that collectible. It's not that interesting. It still can fetch a relatively decent ish price, but I think, you know, compared to other similar generic beat em ups, I think that again is mostly because of the nostalgic factor. Uh, you're looking at anywhere from 250 to 300, though. That's it for a, you know, a decent, passable shape working cab in fact right now on ebay there's two of them for around 400 so the ebay price is only 400 you're not going to pay a lot to get one of these there's also nothing going on here that you can't play you know perfectly well through something like Mame. so there's not a lot of reason to go for an official cabinet one unless you know you like me, you want to play on just original hardware, and um, which is, can be exciting and fun, but there's nothing about either the cabinet or the mechanics or the control panel that set this apart as a particularly interesting cab. So kind of derivative, kind of dull. Um, you know, the game isn't dull, but the game is derivative, and so is the cabinet. So that's what I say about that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you kind of nailed it on the head there. There's nothing... It's sort of funny. There's nothing interesting or original or all that fun about the game, the cabinet or anything else. And yet it's a lot of fun to play. And a lot of people are nostalgic. And I think it's because of the graphics and because it reminds them or because of the, the comedy, the humor Hmm. in it, because of, it reminds them of previous games that they've played that were like this. And, because it's an easy, accessible game. You walk up, you drop a quarter in, you're into the action and you know exactly what it's gonna be pretty much throughout the entire game. It gets harder, but it doesn't change that much and you're not trying to figure out what's going on here and why am I dying and you just you go in you you have a blast to play it. And in fact in twenty thirteen uh, Complex Magazine, or maybe it's Complex Magazine, uh, listed this uh, as their number one on, on the list of the video games where you kick ass in the name of America. <laughs> Which is exactly what you're doing. I mean, at the end of the day, the the particular
0: nature of the up with America-ness here, the, the you know, go for burgers <laughs> with President Ronnie and destroy the niches. Uh, it's so 80s. I mean, so unabashedly almost comically satirically 80s i think that's part of the appeal because if you think about it people that love classic arcade games we're all a little nostalgic about either the 70s or 80s or something that's the the period of these games and this is a game that screams 80s in its theme and its backstory and its comedy and i think that adds something fun about you know, if you're playing it now in the 2010s, then um, I think that's part of what's fun about this. Is this is a game that makes it very clear what era
1: it came from, and it's it's charming because of that. Yep, it appeared on most of the popular home computer systems of the day, uh, including the Amiga, the Amstrad CPC, the Apple II, the Atari ST, the Commodore 64, the IBM PC, Nintendo, the ZX Spectrum. I'm sorry, the ZX Spectrum. <laughs> Uh, and something called the Zebo. and I didn't know the, about any of those ports. I knew it was on the NES, but <laughs> the rest of that complete—I didn't even know it was on the Apple II. I didn't—I well, didn't spot any of these things. And the the, the ports were definitely of widely varying success. I, Data East quality. I guess the, for example, the, the IBM PC version of this game, which typically the IBM PC gets like the crap versions of of the ports back in that that time period. Usually, the bad stuff ended up there because of those those. Garish yellow and pinks, and stuff uh, yeah. like that, but in this case, it actually did very well um with with the Apple II in particular getting the worst of the worst of the ports, oh. which data East kind of dumped their crap on the Apple II as oh well yeah,
0: though. nothing says terrible like data East Apple II software they were right. just it 's like they were angry at the platform <laughs> yep,
1: so it is out there on all these other platforms you can um, it 's been it 's appeared on a few. More recent titles, I think you can get it on the Wii or the Wii U. Uh, but there's no reason not to play this either on MAME or or the arcade version. Like you said, I think these cab- these cabinets are extremely common, and any arcade is probably going to have one uh, in working condition that you can play it on. Data-, Data East had a licensing agreement with Orion Pictures, and so Bad Dudes, along with several other other titles, appeared in several um orion pictures movies in the late 80s and early 90s i think robocop 2 was the one that immediately jumps to to my mind but i'm sure it was another stuff too that's cool actually i did not know that nice little bit of trivia there yeah
0: and i guess that's really all i have to say about it oh you Um, have to say your score don't try to
1: walk away (laughs) are you bad enough to tell me your score (laughs) yeah i I didn't get as far but obviously i was better than you isn't that enough (laughs) It
0: may be <laughs> well I'll start I'll, tell you, I'll I'll step up and tell you my score to start with, so uh best score I did when when I just barely got past stage three, which is the sewer ninja who clones himself shinobi style, um, and then I started into stage four and was immediately eaten by dogs. <laughs> So that is how I ended this, the best game I played, and I got to 261,000 on the nose. All my scores were like factors of 100. It seems not even tens. You get 100 points for everything minimum, and I I did 261 uh, even. So what about you, Mike? Did you do better or worse?
1: Oh, goodness. You cleaned my clock. You have a very shiny clock. Yep. I was never able to get past the the boss on the second level there I almost killed him a couple of times and then he got me so my top score was 58,300 points I won you trounced I me. I was sir. a
0: batter dude oh
1: Canada <laughs> that's it sing it sing it <laughs> Oh, it sounds like they're starting a hockey game. <laughs> right. Look, it was an impromptu hockey game just broke out of my living room.
0: <laughs> fight, fight, fight. <laughs> Where did
1: all these Canadians come from? <laughs> well, I guess we're talking about a nice
0: American game, though, because you guys just had your big, what's that sport that's not hockey you guys play? Football. That's it. Football's one of the ones that's not hockey, and you yes. had your
1: Super Duper Bowl or whatever. And I guess the the home local franchise that that plays near me uh, got trounced. Oh, badly! I don't even know who played. That's uh, how little I care about I, football. I only know because I couldn't turn on TV without um, without seeing some reference to it. And my my one of my cousins is a cheerleader for that team, so um, I, I'm a, I'm a little bit closer to it this year than I that I usually am. But for the most part, yeah, I, I don't care.
0: Yeah, no. hockey. Yay, hockey. Um, those are the batter dudes. I am such a big hockey So overall, Mike, let me hockey <laughs> homer, let's, uh, let's talk about, we haven't talked about this for a while, and I think I know what the answer would be in this case. So we have a f- fun, if fairly generic and r- derivative game <clears> in <throat> a very generic cabinet. If you were setting up your own arcade, you only had space for 20 or so machines, say, I'll give you 20 instead of five. Would this make
1: it make the cut? Uh, No. No, and not because it's a bad game or I didn't enjoy it or anything like that. There's just no reason, like you said, Karen, there's nothing special about the cabinet. The controls are generic, uh, and you can have a perfectly fine experience playing the game in MAME or even one of the better ports that are out there for your home systems.
0: I'm totally with you on that. Like, I actually really did enjoy playing this. It's a silly, silly beat-em-up game. I'm not a huge fan of the beat-em-up genre, to be honest. But I had fun playing this. It's it's so silly and so over-the-top and so up with 80s, up with America 80s. I totally dug it. And yet I, too, think it's just a little too generic, and I don't have enough of a nostalgic collection uh, connection to it It wasn't a game i played a ton of back in the day so i think because of that it wouldn't make the cut for me either which isn't to say this is a bad game because well like we're saying it's kind of derivative generic but it's actually a fun game to play and if i was in an arcade and they had it i would drop a couple quarters into it because it's fun to play but it's not a game that i would use to take up you know five or ten percent of my collection with
1: You know, actually, I was thinking as you were talking and you've changed your mind, I think I'm going to change my vote on that. And only because I had such a great time playing this with my friends.
0: Oh, see that that's true. And a lot of games that we've talked about owning. I haven't really thought about like, there's a real advantage to having games where two people can play at once and we have talked about very few of those. In fact, I've often lamented people, you know what's a it's a two-player game. It's like, no, you play then I play, then you play then I play. It's not nearly as fun. Even games I love, Galaga, that kind of stuff, it's you're taking turns. It doesn't feel as two-player as a game like this where both of you step up and both of you play at
1: once. There would be a real right. advantage to that. Yeah, I've played I I've played this game through to the to the very end several times. You had hamburgers with Ronnie? I, we did. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. But I did it with my friends and in cooperative mode. And, and when when we were doing that, we were dumping quarters in because it was not about the high score or doing it all in one guy. It was because we were having a great time playing the game together. That's a good point. And it's also
0: it's a good mechanic for a quarter muncher like this, where the whole right. point is really we're going to entertain you for a time and you're going to keep the quarters coming And by having it two play people play at once, when one of you dies, the other guy's still playing, there's that there's that motivation to jump in and keep helping your pal. Whereas if you die one at a time, then you can it's you're more likely to let the game end. So it's a smart move mechanically to try to make this, you know, be a higher revenue game for the operator. Um but yeah, I really thought about it's still not gonna make the cut for me, but I do see why that would make it a lot more fun to to have at least some games like this where you can bring over and play
1: more in party mode. If I have the opportunity to to play it with my friends, then yes, it's it's going to be here. If it's just me and alone in my sad little basement um, by <laughs> myself, no, I'm, I'm not going to get this game.
0: Okay, there. so sad little Mike says no, right. but happy Mike with friends says
1: yes. yes. Oh, so long ago. <laughs> God. I feel like sad Hulk music should be playing in the background when they say that. Oh, sad Hulk music on a tiny violin. <laughs> That's right.
0: Okay, sad, sad tiny Mike. What, what will you uh, be playing with Happy Mike next week? Here you go. Well, that sounds like super fun for, for both sad Mike and happy Mike. I think so. I think everybody will have a good time playing our All game. of the mics. Yep. Excellent. Well, I look forward to playing that this week and talking with you about it next week. As
1: do I, sir. Okay. Talk to you soon. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.
0: You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to no at Monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast and on Twitter we are at No Quarter Show. All of those links plus the show notes are available at monsterfeet.com and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain.